Welcome back to the audio adventure. Today we've got a little episode, a little clip for you of a meet night with Andy from Omni Solutions. He's a business coach and he's a sales guru and um, he helped me a lot. There's a lot of times as a leader I was getting a little bit frustrated. People would tell me their goals and I'd go all in. I'd be like, let's do this. But I wasn't meeting them where they were at on that road. So just helps break it down a little bit and help you see that there's a middle ground. You don't have to push people all in. You don't have to quit on people. And uh, that's something that I was struggling a lot with and it's an area that I'm trying to grow. So hope you enjoy this episode. Please give me any comments, feedbacks, any reviews, ratings are so appreciated and uh, hope you enjoy. I, I am not the financial backing. I'm the, the guy that does the, the, the grunt work, the thinking, the strategy. So each project we go into, like a patient for a doctor has a different ailment. Yeah. So let's say you're um, very financially sound, but no sales experience. We may help you sell. Okay. We may help. We may even introduce you to people that whatever it is you need, um, and then we take uh, equity positions based upon what type of. So, so would you say like sales is problem solving basically? Hundred percent. You do it doesn't matter. Yeah, you so you're not pain. necessarily selling somewhere, but you you always are still selling. Yes. So like, whatever business comes to you, you're gonna find the pain point and fix it yeah but that's the way you sell now not hey buy this it's i never say buy this yeah yeah people want to buy they don't want to be sold right right so the key part for me is always um i'm not the type of person you're an athlete so you can appreciate this there's no pinnacle like the idea that you've reached the pinnacle is a misconception there's constant evolution towards optimization mm-hmm. but it's an unreachable standard so to be good to make your number or to hit bonus that's not that's not where you stop that's a that's a, a step along the way so i start with a pain point then i identify what a good accomplishment would be but then i get them to buy into the idea that that constantly like a socratic method like we're constantly asking ourselves is this the best way we could do this? Mm-hmm. So like yesterday, I had a, a great training session. At the end night, we examined the body and say, yeah. what could we have done better? It went fabulous. Right. Everyone loved it. But that's not the standard. Yeah. The standard is, we're, we're a, it's a culture of constantly improving and evolving. So I take, I start with pain, but I want to get them their mindset to a commitment to ongoing learning, ongoing investment in the, their craft, all these type of things. Unfortunately, not everyone has that kind of desire. Yeah. So I narrow down all the opportunities to people that are like-minded in that way. People And athletes tend to be that way because they strive. It's a striving type thing. If you don't have that, if you're not been a varsity athlete or a college athlete, you don't necessarily have that in your DNA. I, I could help you, but you're not going to take the best of what I can give you yeah. because you're going to put self like ceilings on stuff that aren't meant to have ceilings yeah. you know that's exactly I just came from a course that I'm teaching at the gym now yeah and I'm trying to help people just identify what their dream is yeah just identify it and we did week one and they all sent me these things in and I looked at them all and I looked at everyone and I said you just sent me goals yeah you just sent me goals that you know you can achieve right you know and yeah. I was like I came to America and I've done all this stuff because I had dreams that I wanted to go to the NBA. Yeah. That was the dream. Yeah. And at, at five foot nine from England, I was like, I'm going. Yeah. And that's why I've got to where I am now. Yeah. And what I've achieved now is because I thought of that. And like, if I go now and I'm like, I don't know where this, what me and Lucas are doing together now is going to go, but I just know that 
I'm going to take it as far as I can and where that is. You know what I mean? I want to book a keynote for $25,000. Right. You know what I mean? And if I just said, well, it's just going to be me doing one thing for a hundred bucks, right. that's where it's going to end up. Right. But if I aim for 25,000, I right. get 20, you know? And it's just like trying to find and I, that's it is I'm, I'm trying to figure out what makes people do that sure. and why there are people that go and do it. And can you teach it to people? Can you to dream? Yeah. I think that people, um, they're held back by their, their insecurities, the lack of confidence, which is why athletes are able to pierce that because they, there's that additional element that they have to, to strive that they other people don't have. Mm. I don't want to sound ostentatious, so I'm going to tell you a quick story. Yeah. So I'm at a golf tournament for um, Atlanta Food Bank, and I was doing pretty well. So I'm at a hole, and um, I drive up on the golf court, and I see this amazing-looking car that I had never seen in my life. I'm like, what in the world is that car? And the guy walks over. He goes, oh, this is the brand-new Maserati Quattroporte, and we're... Um, we're, we're launching it this year with a lease special. So as a joke, I said, well, what does it cost? Well, at the time, I was leasing cars for two years because I liked having a new car and for hosting customers. Yeah. So my payments were stupid high. I had a Suburban. It wasn't sexy, yeah. but it was expensive. It ends up my Suburban payment was basically the Maserati payment. So I said, let me get this straight. I drive to your place. I hand you these Chevy keys. You hand me the Maserati keys. He's like, yes. I'm like, I'll see you Monday. <laughs> so I go, I go to get the car, and I, I, it wasn't that I was proud, like um, in an arrogant way. I loved it for me. Right. I loved driving around. Yeah. I didn't care if no one ever saw me in it. Yeah. It was irrelevant. Angel would say, "Go get some milk." I drive to Chattanooga. Yeah. You know, that's what I want to drive. I love to drive. Yeah. So it was amazing. So I, I, I developed. A little bit of a, an affinity for exotic cars yeah. so I became very friendly with the sales guy I got a master's tickets because I take care of people that take care of me mm -hmm. I was the youngest guy I'd ever bought a Maserati there that wasn't a pro athlete or yeah, something. yeah like the regular schmuck yeah I sold towels you know <laughs> so he's like listen Andy, I gotta tell you something did you see Ferris Bueller's day off I said yes he was remember that red Ferrari that they drove on I said yes he goes that's called a California I said okay he goes we're making a new one how would you like to get on the list? I'm like, okay. He's like, I'm like, what does it cost to get on the list? He's like, nothing. Well, you get on the list, and at some point, like three or four years from now, you may get to your name. <laughs> I'm like, great. This is I bought the the, the QP in, in 2008. So this is 2010. So things are still going well mm -hmm. at, at the old job. So I'm sitting around, and yeah, just my I get a call. He's like, Andy, it's been like months and months and months, maybe nine months or so. He's like, you'll never believe this. We went down the list, and it's your turn. I'm like, what do you mean it's my turn? He goes, we have a California coming in that's not spoken for. I'm taking it over to the Petri de Cab Airport runway if you'd like to try it out. I'm like, today? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I'll be there. I'll be there, yeah. So I don't have that kind of cash sitting around. <laughs> so um, I go over there, and I drive it around. Of course, it's the most exotic, erotic combination of things I've ever. Imagine, yeah. And they have a professional Ferrari driver that takes you the first lap, and then you drive. <laughs> so I, I leave there, and I'm thinking to myself, if I don't buy this car today, someone else is going to buy it, right? So I call two friends and say, listen, i got a crazy idea for you. What if we had a Ferrari timeshare? I said, you will all split the deposit yeah. or the down payment, and then you guys can have it every week I'm gone. If I go to the airport... 
you meet me at the airport, I'll give you the Ferrari keys. Like, you're going to let us drive your Ferrari? I'm like, no, it's not my Ferrari. It's ours. It's our Ferrari. <laughs> so they still thought I was out of my mind. So one of them gave me the money and then drove it once the whole time I had it. The other <laughs> one gave me the money and did drive it quite a bit. So I got this California, yeah. right? And a Long Island kid who grew up in a $27,000 house without a dad, whose mom was never there, Mm-hmm. who made $4 an hour selling records at a record store, the idea of having the Ferris Bueller California probably would be something that most people wouldn't say is reasonable. I'm, I, there's no doubt in my mind I'm going to have a G5 at some point at that airport right there. Yeah. I don't know how. Yeah. I'm not worried about the how. And, I, the, I, and, and you don't, but the thing is you don't want it for anybody else either, right? It's not to tell me that you've got a G5. No. It's because you want to sit no. in the G5. I love to travel yeah. and I love meeting new people. Yeah. I want to go to dinner in and Mobile back time. and have, right, I want to have shrimp and grits on the water in Mobile for dinner tonight. Yeah. I don't care if anyone comes. Yeah. You know? And I think the thing that I, is like, where does that come from? Because as much as you say you have air miles and things like that, like for me, I'm growing businesses and it's to, to spend time with my wife and to travel and to do things like that. But when I get on the plane and the people get on the plane first and they sit in first class and then... I go sit in the back. I'm like, I want to sit up there. And not to show anybody else that I'm sitting there, but because I want to sit there and be comfortable. And I'm just as happy with my, I'm sitting next to the person I love in the back. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. Sure. But I just want to sit there for me. You know, and it's like, that's the drive, right? Is that the dream? Is that where it comes from? Just being like, yeah. I also think that, I'll give you an example from today. So, it hurts. They had a private club called Platinum that you had to pay to be in. So you're renting a car and paying extra to be in this club. So when I, I found out about it because I was in Honolulu once on a vacation and um, I went to a, a place to pay up the car and they didn't have any little jackets for the contract. So they gave me this one that said Hertz Platinum. So I didn't know what that meant. I just left. Yeah. Well, on the way back to the airport, I get to the Hertz place. I hand the guy the, the jacket. He's like, oh, you're platinum? I'm like, yeah, I'm platinum, right. So he's like, do you want me to drive you back to the airport? I'm like, damn straight I do. Yeah. <laughs> Drives me back to the airport. So I start researching it. ends up I find this program. So from 2007 till this past year, I was Hertz Platinum. Mm-hmm. They pick you up. They drop you off. I can make reservations for you in another city. Yeah. They'll give you the car. It was unbelievable service. Yeah. Well, about six months ago, they decided unless you had an American Express Centurion card, which is invitation only, $5,000 a year, some stupid spend, that you were out, even if you wanted to pay. Yeah. So ever since then, I've been very upset about losing all those perks. And it's not because I'm that guy. It's because I use their system very well to be efficient. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, because you need to be on a plane and you need to, yeah. So he said, I'll get you the Centurion card, as long as you make more money in the business, <laughs> you're running. It's yeah. not a problem. Yeah. You know, because I pay the 5000 It just is right. his, his name and his, yeah. his uh, whatever they call those, net worth sheets. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's a big loss to me. And it probably seems like frivolous to most people. But aggregately, if I can save 30 minutes to an hour each way on a car rental over the, as much as I travel, yeah. that's a huge, those are weeks of time. Yeah. And it's not an ego thing that you need to be picked up by I somebody. I care less. Oh, I'm working the whole less. time. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah. And that's the thing about first class. So I only buy first class tickets. Mm-hmm. I build a customer for first class. If they don't want to pay first class, I either don't do business with them or I'll pay the difference if it's a big customer and they make a big deal out of it. Yeah. Or if it's a stupid amount of money, I won't charge them. I'll pay the charge for the coach. 
But I'm working from the minute I get on that plane yep. till the minute it lands. And now with internet on the plane, you know, and people that sit next to me like, I've never seen anyone work more on a plane. I'm like, I'm away from my family. I When I'm home, I want to detach. Yeah, yeah. So I don't want to be working. So um, I, I would tell you that I've done it for practical reasons, um, for um, time management issues, issues and, yep. and issues. But here's the biggest thing. This is what I learned from Matthew Kelly. He's a famous Catholic scholar. He said, people always talk about time management, like is so critical. When he said, it's not just that. It's how much effort does it, do you expend in any one activity? Like, are you drained? Even if you use your time well, like you, you got something done in 30 minutes, but you're exhausted because in that 30 minutes, it was so intense. It was, it took so much out of you that your 100% of energy for the day dropped to 50. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were knocking stuff out, but you were, you were worthless the rest of the day. So I've really taken that into my heart. Like, what can I do to be efficient, but also not expend excessive amounts of energy doing something? So going back to what we first started to say, do what you do well, delegate, outsource, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And, and that's been a big part of, of, of what I've done differently. Because you could do everything, right? Easily. But you don't need to do no. everything. Yeah. And, and what I, are the things that you yeah. do that you exactly. need to be focused on? Yeah. yeah. It's Adam Smith's an economist, and that's my degree. Yeah. So he had a famous doctrine that you make guns, I make butter. You could make guns and butter, but I do them better. Yeah. So, and it took me a long time to like kind of let go of that stuff yeah. because I did feel I could do most things better than most people. But the time it took me to do stuff was <laughs> exhausting. Yeah. I could do my own taxes if I wanted to. Yeah. I'm not a doctor, but I probably could figure out what's wrong. I, I could. I have a couple lawsuits now. I kind of know a lot about the law, but, you, you but know, I never yeah. would do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ultimately, why the reason I dream, I think it's because um, when you've failed as much as I have and to the degree of, uh, that I haven't been embarrassed and ridiculed and blackballed, you know, the dream is where you escape from the reality that you find yourself in. People are, are a victim of circumstance all the time. So for me, the reason why I dream is I want to escape not having the dad, not, not having, we never went on vacation when I was a kid. We rarely went out to dinner. And, and now that I do those things, I have such a great appreciation for my mom and the sacrifice she made. Yeah. But, but now when I, when I find myself in terrible circumstances, granted some of it's been self-inflicted, I dream to escape that reality. Mm-hmm. And it, it keeps me sane uh, to feel that way. And, and I try to impart that in other people. Yeah. So when you say to me, can people learn that? The, you, you spoon feed it to them. And I'll give you an example. So there's some ladies I'm traveling next week to Captiva. Mm-hmm. Okay. They've never been to Captiva. They don't even know why they're going to Captiva. And they're from Huntington, Indiana. And well, actually, one of them is of English descent. They're very humble people. And, and, and I don't mean, I'm not being denigrating. They just haven't had a lot of exposure. So what I do is I give them little tastes of what you can do if you can think outside of your comfort zone right. and make yourself a little bit uncomfortable, yeah. just a little bit at a time, a little yeah. uncomfortable. I'm sure it's a lot like a workout at a gym. Yeah. Like maybe five more pounds or right. one more rep. Yeah. Like just push it. I, I yeah. watch videos of people work out like that. They're like, come on, what, you got one more. Yeah. I do the same thing to people's brain. Okay. I say, yeah, you've never been there, but let's just go into the shallow end of the pool. Yeah. And last night, my biggest client, who's worth you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to me, um, checked into a Westin on Michigan Avenue with her grandkids and got upgraded to the biggest suite in the building, got club access, because in front of her the other day, I called 
the Marriott, which I have a personal person that handles my account, and I called her and told her, I'm sitting across from a good friend of mine who's taking her grandkids to American Doll. I need you to call the hotel. I need the best room they have, comped, mm-hmm. upgrade comped, and club access as a favor for me personally. Yeah. Within five minutes, she called back, got it done. I got a text this morning thanking me. Yeah. She never would have thought about that. Like right. It never would have crossed her mind to go to the Westin in the first place. There's yeah. no Westins where she lives. To think about the idea of an up- like. It, she's changed, yeah. and it, it's been more of an osmosis. Thing. I haven't like sat there and like, beat her over the head with it. I've I've acquainted her with some of the finer things in life, mm-hmm. and and that they're attainable, and it doesn't mean you have to be rich. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, my, I mean, the way I would see it is like in the gym, people come in and they say something like, "I'll never do a pull up." Yeah, and then six months later they do a pull up. Yeah, and then they go. Shit, why am I in this shitty job? Because yeah. they see right. I can do more. You know what I mean? And That's I think brilliant. it's that, right? It's like That's that. Yeah. yeah, like you see there is more and you see you can achieve more. Yeah. Now, but you, this is you how have you to, can do it. You have to have those little wins. Yeah. In basketball, right? I, it, I hate watching the games now because there's not enough drives to the hoop. Yeah. Get a foul. Get yeah. on the free throw line in the first minute. Work out the, the yeah. tension in your arm. Yeah. Build up the confidence. Get a couple layups. Then start chucking threes. Mm-hmm. You know, why are we chucking threes to start the game? That's insane. Yeah. Sitting at the end of the game, go and get into someone's body, pick yeah. up the foul, stop the clock, yeah. gain your poise. You know, there's a lot of benefits to, to being aggressive. Yeah. And I think the same is true in trying to build out your ability to dream. Give them some layups. Let them get comfortable that there's there's more out there. So um, I suppose it so I suppose you can help people because like like you said, like athletes or people like that. You're comfortable dreaming, so you don't see why people can't dream. But the dream is pretty scary to say yeah. it, right? Like, but if you can say, yeah, this is where you ultimately want to end up, but you have to start here. Right. So like Nike started with one shoe. Right. And now it's there. If they would have started with 50,000 shoes and 20,000 pieces of clothing, it probably right. wouldn't have, you know, but so, they started here and they progressively went to there. And it's like the same... Because that's what I want to help people do is be like, you're capable of more. Right. You want more. If you want to be happy, you have to go for more. But how, and it's just finding ways to help people see that. And like, I agree. Yeah. And I, that's, it's, it's interesting that you say you just got to spoon feed it. Or, yeah. And then. Learning is you give someone knowledge and then you, you stabilize the knowledge. Mm. Right. So the win. So you get them up to that extra rep and you stop and you pause. And you get you real good at that extra rep. Yeah, yeah. You anchor the rep. And you say, hey, this is normal. The new normal. Mm-hmm. Right? It becomes habitual. Now I always go to the gym and do a fourth set. Yep. I'm a fourth set guy. Yeah. I started as a two set guy. Yeah. Right? Now the idea that incremental improvement is possible because you've not only done it, but you've done it to the point of habit. Yeah. Now it's a you're at a new plateau. You've kind of upped the plateau. One of the problems that a lot of dreamers have and leaders have is that we're not all made the same way. And we can't often understand other people that don't have the, the same drive that we do, that made you want to be an NBA player. Uh, I'll tell you a quick NBA story. Do you remember um, that Asian kid that um, played for the Knicks? Jeremy Lin? Yes. Yeah. So a friend of mine from Sydney came to Manhattan when I was working in Manhattan or outside the city. And just unbelievably, he wanted to go to an NBA game. Who's in town? The Lakers and Kobe. Mm-hmm. Like the hardest ticket. They yeah. come to New York once a year. So I'm like, listen, dude, I would love, I just showed him the city the whole day. I would, I took him to like 
um, Cat's Deli we're hiring at Sally's mm-hmm. built like every like the best yep. patent experience ever. Yep. I'm like, I don't know that I can pull this off. Well, sure enough, I'm on StubHub all day, all day, all day. Finally, two seats in the rafters open up. I buy them. Yeah. So we go in there, and in front of us is every Chinese person with a Lynn jersey you've ever oh, seen. Yeah. And the guy drops 37 on the Lakers, wins the game. They're chanting MVP. It was in, like, I, I'm tingling still telling oh, the story. Yeah, yeah. It was, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. Yeah. Um, and the next week, Sports Illustrated's cover was... Jeremy Lin in Kobe's face, like jacking up three, like it's mind boggling. Yeah. But I'm sure, you know, he didn't get up one day and say, I'm gonna go out and be the star player for the biggest, on the biggest stage in all of the basketball world. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna show up one of the greatest players to ever play the game, who's a big game player. I mean, you yeah. can say whatever you want about Kobe, but if it was a big game, Kobe showed up. Oh yeah, well, I heard an interesting story about Kobe in that. like. Kobe's not happy Jeremy Lin did that. You know what I mean? He didn't let him do that. He's not doing it for him. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this would be his dream. Yeah. If anything, Kobe would be like, hell no. Squash that's street. not happening. Not on my watch. Not, yeah, no one's going to know that you did yeah. this to me. Because yeah. it was Jason Williams. Yeah. Jay Williams said that he was playing for Chicago and was in LA. And was like, he's a rookie. So he's like, all right, I'm going to go to the arena early and start shooting. Yeah. So he went at three. Kobe's already in there covered in sweat on the other end of the call. He plays for the Lakers. So, and this is Kobe in his prime. This is a rookie yeah. from Chicago. And uh, shoots for an hour and a half, two hours, says he's going to get 400 shots up. Looks down the other end, Kobe's still going. He's covered in sweat, still making game moves, not slowing down. So he sits on the side 25 minutes later. Kobe's still there, so he's like, all right, I got to go get ready for the game. Goes and gets ready for the game. Kobe's still in there as he leaves. Kobe drops 40 on him. Wins the game. So he's like, all right, I got to go and ask him. Like, hey, I saw you working out before the game. What, like, is that, why were you working out so hard and for so long? And Kobe just looked at him and said, because you walked in. <laughs> just a rookie yeah, from yeah, Chicago. Yeah. And he's like, you're not outworking me. Yeah. So I had to make sure that you knew that yeah. you're never going to outwork me. Yeah. Just, and this is, he's won the two rings, won the MVP, and he's proven it to a, Right. Little rookie that's down the other end of the court. You know what I mean? Like that mentality is. Yeah. But you see, that's why those guys are never good coaches. Larry Bird was a terrible coach. Mm. Because they don't understand that people are normal. They're not normal people. Right. They're crazy people. Right. And their expectations of people are, are out of whack. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very rare. That's what I've struggled You'll find with, a great leader that was a great practitioner. Okay. And I'd like to think of myself as one of the few people that have made that transition. Yeah. Because I, I think I'm struggling with that now. I was a 100% commission yeah. sales guy. Yeah. I, that means only eat what I kill. Yeah. I was, I started with a small territory, but, but, but I'm able to look at people and use my practitioner background to get their credibility with them, yeah. but not to the point where I, I don't recognize that they're not me. Mm. And yesterday I got a really nice compliment from these ladies. I said, I'm really grateful for you guys letting me do this training. And and they're like, well, we, we couldn't imagine doing it without you. In fact, the things that you bring to the table, we don't have. We don't, we've never done the selling you've done. And you're outside party. So like it's like a parent telling a kid things all the time. And then some stranger comes in and tells the kid the same thing. Like, that guy's a genius. We call it the cool uncle effect. Yeah. Right? So that is an important transition that I've made yeah. that I've been able to leverage the credibility I, I would earn from somebody 
but not impose and project onto them mm. unrealistic things that they can't do because they're not me. Yeah. So, but I'm a lot older than you. I didn't. That didn't happen like right. last week. Yeah, yeah. It happened because I always was disappointed. Yeah. It's there was a gap, an experience gap between what I wanted the experience to be and the experience they could produce. And most people have that gap in their whole life with all kinds of people, personal and professional. But be but right sizing expectations of people is the key to spoon feeding them what the right proportionality and intensity of what they can take. You know, you can't give them too much medicine because yeah. your body can't handle it. So being able to diagnose the quantity, the frequency, the analogy I like to use is making a cake, right? So there are ingredients. Mm -hmm. There are the amount of ingredients. There is the sequence of ingredients. And then there's the amount of time it takes each ingredient to activate so that you get a cake, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you get nothing. Yeah. So training is the same way. It's yeah. all those components and the confluence them makes cake. Yeah. But along the way, I hadn't had developed enough skill right. to recognize those different components of a process so that I can help somebody in a way they can assimilate what I'm teaching them into a real yeah. habit. Like if you said... Because so, you just end up frustrated, right? Because that's yes. when I started the basketball yeah. academy. I was so passionate about yeah. it. I was like, I want to help international kids come here and get a scholarship because yeah. this is what I would have needed yeah. when I was 18. Right. So I bring them here and then I'm still training at that point. Sure. So I'm on the court with them every day. Right. I'm ready before they're ready. Right. I'm, I've shot 150 shots before they're even on the court. Right. I work out harder than them in the practice. Right. And then I stay and I shoot extra after them. Right. And then they're telling me they want a scholarship and they want this. And I'm looking at <laughs> like, you're not even outworking me. Right. And I'm a 30 year old that's right. done this right. stuff. Yeah. And it's like, and just that, I was just frustrated every day of like, trying to, I'm trying to give you this, take right. this. And right. just, it never come back, you know what I mean? And it was, so then I was like, all right, well, you have to give what I expectation or you have to, you know what I mean? And it's like. So I don't know that, that there's not a middle ground. Mm. So I'm a big believer in like kind of a jacks or better approach. So if I was running the academy and I'd say, okay, um, we're going to be on the court dressed by seven o'clock. Um, but for any of you that, that really want to, you know, extra work or extra help from me, I expect to hear before then doing these things. And only the people that commit and are engaged to a certain like threshold get what the they extra. want from me. Yeah. Yes. So that's how I spoon feed people along. They have to give to get, give mm. to get. And then you teach them that. It's like Pavlov's dog, mm. right? You touch this thing, it shocks you, yeah. you stop touching it. Well, the reverse of that is using a carrot and say, yeah. okay, you want to get here. I know how to get here. I, I know you can't get here. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. I just want to get you from here to here. And then here to here. And, but you make them give first to get. And like, for example, at this one company, yeah. we have a, I've taken the sales process and turned it into a, from a one-man show to a relay race. So I don't want you prospecting, selling, implementing, and servicing the customer after the fact. That's not one person's skill set. Mm. They're different skills. A chef has a, a fish knife, a bread knife. You can't be excellent. Right, you can't. Yeah, yeah. So I've hired four people for one. They're like, why would you do that? Yeah. Well, because the, the people are going to be such, so proficient yeah. at their 
you know, the subject matter expertise that we're going to sell a ton more stuff. Mm. But you don't get one prospecting doll made on your behalf until you've made 20 for yourself. Mm. Then I'll make the rest. Right. But you got to give me 20 and I'll give you 20. Yeah. You know? So that's how I take that expectation gap and shrink it. Because I weed out the people. Like, let's say there's all people at the academy. You want a subset of committed people that are willing to invest upfront for the eventual outcome. So everything I do, I find that subset of the group that are willing to put their skin in the Got game. You. And then I know I'm working with people that are committed to it. Now, some of them do fall out, but I'm not going to waste time and energy on a bunch of people just because they paid me once. Yep. I want people that are willing to pay over and over and over again in time and talent, whatever they're paying with, until I get them to where they want to be. So they self-select. Yep. And you're not writing off the group. No. It's yeah, unrealistic. Yeah, it's yeah. an 80-20 rule. Right? Of the group, 80% are going to be ordinary people that are not me and you. There's 20% that could be me and you, and then there's like 10% of that 20% that'll be me and you. Okay. But we're going to create a process to, to like a funnel yeah. and get down to the people that are really going to be exceptional. Yeah. And it, so instead of looking at it as your job as, I got to help all these people do this, you're saying, I have to find the right people. Yeah. My job is to. Most coaches fail. Because they think that you help the people that need the most help the most. I refuse to do that. If you want me to help your company, I want your top salespeople first. Because mm. I want to make so much extra money for you with those three people getting even better mm. that then I can do whatever I want. You give me the losers first and I can't turn some of them because they're not committed like the winners will be. I look like I suck. Yeah. So I don't want to do that. So at the company I was helping this week, I coach their top salesperson. She makes like 200 grand. You're like, she's already killing it. You're right. Like, yeah, but, but she's already no killing it. no one can coach her. Yeah, Because yeah. no one else has the credibility with her yeah. to tell her what to do. Right. But I do. Yeah, yeah. You know, right. and I tell her just like this. Yeah. I'm not kissing her ass that she's some superstar. Everyone else looks up to her. That's not like, I treat her like a peer. I don't look down. I'm like, listen, I can do your job better than you. Right. I don't have to know what you're talking about. I can sell <laughs> you. So it's not cocky I just know it's true yeah. I can read the audience uh, so when I've traveled with her I take like 10 or 12 pages of notes and she's like I'm dreading the post meeting I'm like yeah you want to get better or yeah. you want me to hold your hand yes you know yeah. you did, you're paying me you know $500 an hour I probably should tell you what's wrong yeah you know yeah um, so that's what you want to do you want to bend win probability in your favor by self-selecting the people that really are going to be excellent and having them self-select so you're only dealing with the cream of the crop so you don't have to question their determination yeah. their relentlessness their resilience because yeah. they're going to fail are they going to get up you don't have to make that decision they've self-selected yeah they've gotten up yeah so you you, you don't it business right you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're going to probably don't know the outcome it's like a lawyer they don't ask questions they don't know the answer to so when you're coaching people you have to get a prerequisite amount of their commitment so that you, you're guaranteed or, or very likely you're going to win. Mm. So that won't happen in a pool of people. It's a subset of the pool. Yeah. And understanding that you, it's not for everybody. Right. You can't help everybody. That's why Murph said, yeah. ten, give me 10 businesses, I'll pick two. I'll pick two. I'm not going to help all your right. businesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. So Cool. That That's helped a lot. Because that's something that, yeah, I think it, that's, but like you said, it takes years to... Yeah. So what I try to do now is, I, you know, I want I want an exponential curve. So I I try to help people like learn from my expense. Mm -hmm. And the way I look at it is this. So 
You were born, you know, in England. You yeah. lived in Pennsylvania. You were a pro-level athlete. What happens is, you know, this is a patchwork of your life. You're, you're a collection of experiences and wisdom you've gained. But a lot of it, some of it maybe came from Lucas, and some of it came from whomever. Mm -hmm. It's not, you're, you're not, you're, you're a, a culmination of all of these inputs. Yeah. The key is, you, to get the best blanket possible, you need to continually change out the patches that no longer continue to evolve you. Mm. It's kind of like me. I have 20 shirts, let's say. I don't buy a new shirt unless I'm going to get rid of an old shirt. Because okay. I don't need 50 shirts. I need 20 shirts. Yeah. So I like to keep it. That's what I have. The same thing is true for you. You, you have X amount of swatch on your on your blanket. Yeah. So you need to constantly be upgrading them. Otherwise, you become stagnant. Yeah. When you explain that to someone, they, they can understand that because they can look at their own life, personal and professional, and see yeah. that, yeah, my dad taught me this, my mom taught me this, I learned this at school, yeah. when I was in college, when I was in high school. And so when you're only talking about upgrading one piece at a time, yeah, it's not terrible. Throwing away the blanket, starting over, terrible. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Or So that's kind of how I, I, I always try to break things down in a common denominator. Because people, like I said initially, you're a cosmopolitan guy. So we speak a different language. But there's some universal parts of language that have commonalities that anyone can understand, like a barometer that everyone gets. Mm. I had a client yesterday that called me up and said, you know, I tell people what percentage we're going to save them. Like, really, um, do you pay your bills in percentages? Do you? Do you mm. Is your paycheck in percentages? No. Yeah. So what in the world are you talking to people about in percentages? It's irrelevant. Tell them the dollars. Tell them units. Tell them something they can get their hands around because mm. the percentage doesn't mean squat. Yeah. It means nothing. Yeah. But people don't think that way. They, they don't understand their audience. They're not thinking about their audience's walk in the conversation. They're just thinking about their own walk. So, so where, where are you now in your, like, do you feel like you live your perfect day now? Do I'm you not feel even like, close. Yeah? No, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be a child in this much, uh -huh. but I don't have a choice. Yeah. Because I, I desperately need to, you know, get rid of some problems. And I haven't, I've, I've planted some seeds that are home run type seeds but none of them have turned. Um, some of them have died off, some of them are haven't fully matured, but I, I wanna have some stuff that would make me not have to work at all, going on at all the time, because I don't wanna be a singles hitter. Mm -hmm. I want all of my time back, not just a little bit. Yeah. Um, but life's very seasonal, so this season of my life, I've had to iterate and, and change my approach, and I've sold, the reason why you're here today, is I have every single day that's not a weekend sold until January 21st right now and January 21st my mom's here that's why that day's not sold so I, I don't want to be that guy mm -hmm. I want to be a guy that I like to stop and smell the roses kind of guy mm -hmm. um, probably to do an extreme um, but I don't want to be that guy yeah. I, I want to help people yeah. but I want to be home I like my office um, but I do what I have to do I'm a survivor. I, I I'm gonna I'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. People say that, but I actually do that. You know? And you have had to. Over right. and over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And do you think there'll be a point? I like I mean, because a lot of people think talk about entrepreneurship and like they're heading these ways and like I know when we started the gym, we said and I've said I've said this a lot, we said, um, if it fails, I'm willing to go cut grass, do whatever it takes to pay the bills. So it's right. not scary anymore. Right. But 
there's got to be a point for you now or whenever that you're eventually like, I don't want to have to keep going back and doing that, right? right. Like, like, I know I'm past that point. Okay. The problem is, like a balance sheet in a company, when your debt service, like the interest on your debt, is 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 getting close to your, um, you know, disposable income, then you can't change. Mm. Um, so that's my biggest challenge is getting to the point where my company's bringing enough money that the that the people that have invested in me are being paid back, you know, and, and not I'm not just that that there's a that that, that they're being paid off. Yeah. So all the income I can live. I actually would like to be a professor. Mm. My goal is to get a PhD and teach at Kennesaw. Okay. Teach teach the next generation of people all that I know. Yeah. Because I love helping people. Yeah. So that would be my fantasy. I want to be a, a tenured professor, PhD on you know, sales thought leadership. And why, why at a university? Why is that the thing that... Because I feel like I could get the minds of the people at the most malleable point where they're mature enough to accept the thinking that I have, but they're not, it's not predetermined the mm. way they look at the world. Um, where most people I meet now are so, have so much conviction about what they already think they know. Yeah. Like they think this is, this is like the Ten Commandments. Okay. There's no changing this. Yeah. The people that I'm successful with can can agree that there there's never a point of, there's not a pinnacle. Yeah. But most people aren't like that. Most people are like, you know, yeah. I know what I'm doing. I'm like, yeah. really, you do? Because you're you're not, you know. Well, I already make my number. Yeah. Congratulations. That's with, not with the thing. with the amount of success that you already had and the the skill level that you have, um, and in 2018 with the internet and things like that, why do you f- feel like you need to get a PhD and go and teach any my, my dad didn't get his PhD he, he came to the very end and at, I don't know exactly because he's a, a liar but I, I believe he when he presented his, his dissertation or was about to like he it fell off so I've always wanted to do that just because I want to be that guy yeah. that um, f- takes what his parents did and does something that they couldn't do yeah. and also my uncle another uncle who had paid with our father he had a PhD okay. um, and it, I, I think it just it's just one of those things I think I can do yeah and it's not for anybody else yeah. it's like I can catch it's like the Ferrari I'm sorry it's like the Ferrari right it's right. for you yeah yeah because yeah. I mean like I am very self-indulgent like you could if you could, hung out with yeah. me a lot you'd be like why are you doing that yeah you're not even no one's ever been there I'm like I do it for me I do it for you know me. Yeah. I'm going to Captiva mm-hmm. next week because I like Captiva right they're coming with me yeah you yeah, know yeah. they're like where should we go I'm like I got a place you know <laughs> And it's not, it, they're going, but I'm going because I want to go. Yeah. If they didn't come, I would still go, you know? I, I don't need any, you know. You know you know who I like traveling with the most when, when we were on the road? That yeah. guy. Because yeah. I'd be like. He did the things that he wanted to where do. Where do we want yeah, to yeah. eat? And then he's like, I know exactly where we're going. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to order this. Yeah. And it's going to be the best. Oh, you, know? you don't come because I'm going there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I tell my wife all the time, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'd love to you to come. Like, for example, and I, I do apologize with the... No, no, group, yeah, yeah. Whenever so you need to write up, write when, when she was very humble upbringing, yeah. and um, so when we first started to date and got engaged, she had an 86 Honda Accord, and it died on the side of the road, literally died. So I got her a Toyota Avalon, which at the time was like a landmark car. I didn't have anything like that mm-hmm. before. And she, of course, loved it. Well, she got into an accident while I was on the road once. She had T-boned. And I said, we're getting an SUV. She's like, I don't want a truck. I'm like, I don't care what you want. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a truck. 
And when I leave and the car's in the driveway, you're gonna be driving it. Now, if I ever got a car, even as a rental, she refuses to drive a car, oh, like <laughs> at all. Yeah. There's no cars, you know. But she didn't know. What, yeah. You know, she didn't know. She yeah. thought she knew what she wanted, but she yeah. never tried anything other than. Yeah. So that get, having you don't know the resources I used to have, giving someone a flavor of what's possible. I like doing that. It's mm. cool. It's cool to see their expression yeah. when you show them something that they've never seen. Mm. Or, yeah. but nice, cool. Thank you. Next, yeah. let's get another. No, I, next steps are important. So, yeah. before you guys get out of the car in Atlanta, yeah. tell me the next Saturday okay. I can come down there. I love it. I yeah. love All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I can't wait to meet with Andy again, and I can't wait to put that into practice and just try and help people get one step further. I used to implement that a lot in the gym when I'd be like, just come on in, I'll get you one pull-up. And then after one pull-up, we can talk about two. And I think sometimes when people tell me their goals, I get too excited and I want to push them too hard. And I've just got to rein it back in and just meet them where they're at. And I love it. So any comments, any feedback, please leave me a review and talk to you soon.